everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. Okay. A horn. It's a double date, and it's a very important one. This is a public service announcement for anyone that goes to the gym. <laughs> Don't. Reconsider. Because there's COVID. <laughs> True. <gasps> this also might be people's tw- like New Year's resolution. I think we're just blowing it for people. Maybe not. This doesn't have a ton to do with the gym. I feel like this whole thing wouldn't have happened without the gym. That's what I'm talking about. It breeds toxic masculinity and murder. This is killer bods. It's our first time doing it. It was a Kimberly discovery. (laughs) Tell me more. It just popped up on the ID homepage. I can't say I even searched, but I saw the bodybuilder and the name killer bods. You know, I despise a play on words, but I was there for it. So I, I said, let me see. I watched all three episodes, and the third one is by far the best. This should be a dateline. This story went in an unexpected manner, in a way I was not expecting, hence an unexpected manner. And I would like to know more. It sparked my interest. It made me want to do outside research. This is season one, episode three. It's the only season, and it's the final episode. That's it. This is all we're getting, guys. Yeah. We start off with one has brawn and good looks. The other, a badge and a gun. Together, they're a force to be reckoned with. But too much power can corrupt. And even the perfect body can't stop the perfect murder. Dun, dun, dun. It's every cliche. Yeah. It's, it's like all in a row. Mm-hmm. So expectations were still high, though. It's very, very intense, this opening, because we are getting, we are immediately assaulted, or I'm going to say assaulted, yeah. with images of 80s workout videos. I'm going to say titillated because I was there for it. Oh, okay. It reminded me of my childhood and my mom working out when she would teach aerobics. Please describe Joni's experience in the fitness scene. So my mom taught aerobics. She wore the leg warmers and all of that, the leotards. She would take me to class and I would sit in the corner and... I wasn't even like a very active child. I wasn't even dancing around to the music. I was probably just sitting there reading a book because I'm a loser. And No, because you're well read. (laughs) And then one time she was teaching a class. She took off her sweatshirt during their class. They're jumping. They're doing their their high kicks. She takes off her sweatshirt. She gets hot. She forgot to put on a leotard underneath. Or a sports bra, but they don't really have sports bras. Like no, no, no top. She's, She's topless. She was topless. She totally forgotten. <laughs> what happened? What does she say happened? She says that people just laughed and she just laughed and put the sweatshirt back on. And I don't know how she wouldn't feel it. Like You'd feel that, right? Jiggling. Yeah, you'd be jumping and you'd be like, that feels different. If I was doing that, I would smack myself in the eye. <laughs> and I would have an eye patch next the next class. Which would be great. Just an eye patch period. But... Wow. How bright was her stuff? Does she still have any of her old gear? Probably, yeah. Did she do step aerobics or is that later than- That was later, yeah. Okay. I don't know if she got into step aerobics. Can your mom do a high kick? Oh, yeah. She can, right? Because she can do the splits. She was a can-can girl in a Minnesota production of something. Oh, I'm going to need pictures of that if there are pictures. I'll I'll try to find them. Oh, my gosh. It's really great. Joni, you you are a force. I am- I love it. It couldn't be any better. Sorry. How blonde was the hair and how fluffy? It was that frosted where she would put the cap on and pull the strands through. Yes. With the little pick thing. 
Was it long or short? It was short and fluffy. Oh, it's good. I know. I do love your mom's like fluffy head. It makes me happy. It's like yeah. a, it's like it's a, a cotton candy. Yeah. So, anyways, it was still it was very exciting to have this opening, and especially because I knew about Joni. You're not on social media very much, but do you, have you seen the GIF of the three men in the blue spandex? Oh yeah, I know who they are. So they it even showed the clip of those guys. That's like the popular GIF. Oh yeah. I, did guys wear that? To, I don't think that like that was a common thing for guys to be wearing to work out, though. I don't. The wrestler one piece? I don't think so. It seems very surprising. It seems extreme. That's like for Olympic aerobic people. Makes me uncomfortable. Like, yeah, it does. But now we meet the main dude. His name is Tim Todd. He is a competitive bodybuilder with an insane physique. He is 6'7". That is very tall. He is a tall gentleman, and he's 230 pounds of all muscle. And he, we're being told he was a snappy dresser. He was a good smile. He was the guy that all the women wanted to be with and that all the men wanted to be. Do you get that from his photos? I do not. And also the man who says that line says it like he's the only person that's ever used that expression. And I was like, oh, good for you. Good for you. Is that red tie? Is red tie with that? that? I can't remember. Does, is it red tie or Chris Pig? It's a, a middle-aged gentleman. So it's probably red tie. Red tie was driving me crazy because I have no idea what was on his tie. It's either a school insignia, like West Virginia Tech, or it's a cartoon character I don't know. I feel like it is not a cartoon character on his tie while he's on a murder show. I feel like it's a business that he runs, but he messed up because I don't know what his business is. Right. It's not clear enough. Yeah. In the business of bothering me. It's just adding more confusion. Yeah. So back to Tim Todd. Tim Todd grew up in Herculaneum, Herculaneum, Missouri. No, that's a bad name. I think it's a horrible name. We can't even say it right. Yeah. No, and definitely not fast. Hercules, Hercules. No, Herculaneum. Herculaneum. It's got it's got two extra syllables that need to get cut. But it's fitting because he is like Hercules. And he obviously stands out in this small town because he's six seven. And also that's what the interviewee tells us. And this gentleman's name is Chris Pig with two G's. P-I-G-G? It sounds like you're saying crispy pig. He's an interesting fellow. He was Tim Todd's like apparently younger friend, like growing up friend. But they don't tell us that right away. So that's fun. It took me a minute to figure out who he was. Yeah, they don't put a big emphasis on who anyone is in the interviews on ID. You're lucky if you catch their name flashing across the bottom because you might not ever see it again. And two of them kind of, if you figure out who they are, because it does tell you too early, I'm not going to tell you. But it causes a problem for a big reveal later. Anyways, Chris Pig, the friend admirer of his good friend, Tim Todd, tells us that Tim was all conference, all league, all county. He was voted most talented, most handsome, and best personality. That's a lot of high school accolades. Could you not be a douchebag with all of those accolades? Is it even possible to come out of high school and not be a jerk? But what makes me sad is that really there's no one else. Like you have to get all three. That one person that really wanted to get most talented yeah. They tried really hard, and then you won all of them? Yeah, that's sad. Also, why are we saying talent is only sports? I bet there was someone really good on the chess club who was very talented at chess. 
can't equate those things. I assumed it wasn't sports. Did you think it was sports? What was he talented in? I don't know, but I assumed it was like singing or something. I was like, oh, he must have been good in a play. Tim? That's the first thing that I thought. Yeah. No. I've never heard of most talented in sports. I've heard of most athletic. What state was this in again? Missouri. Yeah, it's only sports. Oh, okay. Well, it's a bummer. But not all was roses for poor Tim Todd because tragedy struck when he was 15 years old. His dad had a heart attack. His dad was only in his 50s, and it was out of nowhere. And it's very sad. And we are told that Tim may have partially blamed himself because they were wrestling a few days before. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a reason to blame yourself at all. But more than that. What if it was, though? What if the doctor had come out and said, I'm sorry, you couldn't save him? And son, it's all your fault. We would not be having the story we're having right now. Because then he would do the opposite and never do athletics again and be asked his whole life, hey, do you play ball? I mean, it would drive him crazy because he's so tall. So unfortunately, the doctor didn't say that. So what's happened is that sort of impending mortality that someone can die sometimes makes people go the opposite way. And it's like, well, I have to work harder on staying alive. So basically, I need to be like the most well-built, strongest man on the planet so that I can never die Like Hercules? Does Hercules die? I mean, he's not alive now, so. But is is he a god, Hercules? Unsure. Seriously, do you you not know who he is? He's a son of some god. So he's a god. He's a mini god then. He might be his own god. I don't really recall. I've seen that movie, the the, the animated movie. I was hoping you'd seen the movie because I have never seen it. I saw it once. It's very cute, actually. But I don't remember. Sorry. Okay. Please don't judge us. Judge us kindly, (laughs) internet. We don't know our Greek mythology well, so. Hercules Mulligan. I need no introduction when they knock me down. I get the F back up again. So maybe it's about Hercules Mulligan. I get points because that's what I thought of when I heard her. No, it's not. Yes, it is. That makes me happy. Yeah. So anyways, right after high school, Tim Todd moves to Festivus, Missouri. Just kidding. He moves to a town called Festus. It is yeah, a. It's another terrible name. It doesn't sound good. It sounds like fetus. It sounds like fest, festering, like a pus. Yeah, fester. It sounds like fest. It sounds like a combo of fester and fetus. A festering fetus. A f- That's not a good. A fetus that is festering pustule. Festering. Ooh, all right. Pustule. Pustule's not fun. It's too early in the year for pustules. So anyways, he moves to Festus, Missouri, which is a larger small town outside of St. Louis. And at 21 years old, Tim joins the police force. And he is a very welcome addition because if you're in a skirmish and a six foot seven police officer comes toward you, you might think twice about giving him some trouble. And I actually fully agree with the gentleman who said that. Yeah. I think that's Right. Hercules was the god of strength and heroes. He is a god. He is a god. And he is the son of Zeus and Hera, or Hera. Can't remember how you say her name. But it also says Alcmene. He has three parents. Is this a triad situation? A thruple. Is it a thrups? A Greek thrups? What's going on there? Let it be. So... In Festus, the police department is run by the youngest police chief ever in the state of Missouri. And this is a guy named Bill Pagano. 
when he was instated as the chief of police, he was 27 years old in Jefferson County. That's really, really impressive. young. Yeah. That's too young. I'm not one to judge. Okay. I feel like it's really young. I'm not an ageist like Katie. Yeah, that does ageist, but I'm standing by it. He liked influence and money. He wanted to be the big boss hog, they said. And Tim Todd admires this guy. Tim Todd shows up at 21 and is like, oh, he's amazing. He has nice shoes. He drives a fancy car. They go to nice restaurants. And he always is one of those guys that carries around big wads of cash. But the one thing that we are shown over and over again is that Bill Pagano likes thick, stubby, expensive cigars. So gross. These close-ups as he's chewed on cigars. I don't think there's a scene where he's not smoking a cigar. And I am wondering how they did that on set because it's clearly he's puffing on that cigar. They have fake cigars? I don't think so. Maybe. These looked gross, though. They were intense. They were girthy. They were really. It was like Groucho Marx cigar. Right? See? It's interesting. So Bill Pagano really takes a liking to Tim, of course, because... Tim's size and Tim has charisma. He's got, he's best personality. And he was a really good asset to have on the force. So of course he loved him. But you know what else is a good asset to have as a B cop besides good looks and winning charm? What? Bombas. (gasps) That's right. Good socks? Bombas socks are the bestest of socks. And if you were lame, you could say they were the bomb. But I'm not lame. So I'm not going to say that. I've probably said it. I may have said that in the past, yeah. but I won't say it. I've in all ser- said it. <laughs> in all seriousness, Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've literally rethought every little detail of socks to make them way more comfortable. I wear them every day, and while I'm a big fan of the original calf sock, which hug your feet and feel so amazing that I want to wear them three days in a row and not wash, like just keep wearing them. Don't mm-hmm. take them off. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, of course, a fan of the compression sock. They are a lifesaver, but I'm going to branch out. Here's what I have in my cart. I'm going to try the Performance Merino hiking socks. And before you make any comments... Are you going to go hiking? I am wearing rain boots a lot more because yeah. I live in a rainy climate mm-hmm. and I need a cushiony sock. And so these seem like the perfect option. These merino wool socks have strategic cushion zones that are incredibly soft, moisture wicking, odor resistant, and quick drying. What's a more perfect match for a rain boot? I think I nailed it. Perfection. I'm really excited. But these socks do more than keep feet cozy. They help give back to the most vulnerable members of our community. Because for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting. Oh my gosh. I know. That's amazing. And the impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. Check out Bombas.com for this amazing deal. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at Bombas.com slash date dateline. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash date dateline for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash date dateline. 20% is amazing. Go check it out. Amazing. Bombas. Now with t-shirts. Oh. Yeah. They've got shirts. 
Amazing. Check out the shirts. Also, I bet those, if you have kids, kids socks look great. Check them out. Thank you, Bombas. Thank you so much, Bombas. You're the bomb. And I'm not yes. dumb. I'm going to say it just proudly. You're the bombas.com. Bus. Dot com. The bombas.com bus. Yeah. <laughs> Back to our fetus police station. Five years go by and the big cigar smoking Bill Pagano decides private security is a super lucrative industry. And he's going to make a career move. So he leaves being the chief of police and he takes his favorite patrolman with him, Tim, in case that wasn't clear. Yep. And they form a new company while Bill forms a new company called SSI, which is Scientific Security Incorporation, which means nothing to me. That's the blandest name for a company I've ever... It could do anything. It sounds like a fake company in like a superhero show. Scientific Security Incorporated. It sounds like a warning on a medication. Oh, SSI? Yeah, because SSRI. Make sure you aren't taking any SSIs if you're going to take this, yeah. Or it sounds like a new kind of sci-fi that they'll be introducing at Comic-Con, but I won't be cool enough to understand. Now with SSI technology. Yeah. Okay, I get that. So at SSI, lovely Tim is the chief of operations right away. And mainly it's because, again, he's tall. He's basically the equivalent of being a beautiful person where you get everything handed to you. He's just tall. So people are like, here, have this suit. Have this amazing job. You're right. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. Every day when I walk down the street. Must be hard. But then also you get asked 40,000 times, remember? How's the weather up there? Yeah, that's true. I do get asked that all the time. I know. I'm sure you do. No one ever says, how's the weather down there? That would be awful. Wouldn't you be mad? Probably. I mean, you'd be annoyed, right? At the least. I've never been asked, how's the weather up there? Really? No, but I'm not that tall. I'm tall, I'm tall, but not tall enough to get asked that. I'd have to be a little taller. Yeah. There's a cutoff. Six, seven, you're tall enough. Oh, yeah. So Bill and Tim work very closely together. And by the late 80s, they are best friends and also have a very strong father-son type relationship. I think we all saw that coming. I think he's never going to challenge him to a wrestling contest. No, never. He'll be very careful with his new daddy, Bill. Yeah. So in 1988, Tim Todd is number two at SSI. and stands to make more money than ever because he decides to open a side venture called America Health and Racquetball Club. And it's a gym, kind of, but a racquetball club in a mall. It's in a mall, which is, remember malls? Are they still around? Kim keeps sending me videos of these dead malls. Oh, those are fun. I've been down that (laughs) hole. It's a big rabbit hole. I don't really understand the appeal. It's like ASMR, I totally get, but I don't really get the, she watches the relaxing mall tours of abandoned malls. I would like that. It's just different strokes, right? Yeah, exactly. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. So I don't think that I would want to hang out at America Health and Racquetball Club based on the footage that I'm seeing. Most of it's really grainy and smoky because of all the cigars. I don't get it, it being in a mall because A, you're all sweaty. I guess you shower and then maybe you could go shopping after. But also you're walking past Wetzel's Pretzels, Orange Julius, Donut Shop, Mrs. Fields. You know, you're walking past all these places on the way to work out or after. Seems like triggering. I have an idea. Here's what I think. Because we're in 88. I think that gyms weren't 
that, like fitness clubs, I don't. No, they were not that popular. I so I think the idea of putting one in a mall, put it in people's faces. And that was like what was so novel about it, right? Because now the gym is its own destination. It's a destination just like Mrs. Fields is. <laughs> That's true. For some people, yeah. Yeah. So. No shame. No. Uh, he is also, by the way, working out himself. I have not mentioned this yet, but we have had some interspersal of a gentleman doing some, it's not aerobic, it's stretchings and liftings and posings and some workings out. And he has very large muscles. I would call it, I would call it dynamic stretching. Oh, that's great. Okay. I like that. And so he is doing his dynamic stretching and frenetic posing. That sounds bad. But he, I don't know why I'm trying to do the gestures to you. Because he's in bodybuilding competitions and they do those poses. The Yeah, where you have to like tense every muscle in your neck and does that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just strained my neck. Yeah, I know. And also that's my least favorite is when I get a picture where my neck is bulging out and I'm like, (laughs) what's wrong with me? And so, yeah, I have the thing there. There's a growth or five growths that's making my neck do that. So anyways, but I think that I we're seeing this guy who I'm assuming is like the B-roll version of what Tim Todd was at the time, but his back is like a whale. Massive. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm amazed by bodybuilders like that. The dedication is just so much more than I could do for that. But then I do put on makeup every day. I'm dedicated to it. Is that my bodybuilding? I'm face building? Are you it for injecting yourself with things to make makeup go on smoother? If I had that kind of money, <laughs> if yeah. I had those, what is it, pituitary gland? Yeah, the, the lady on 90 Day Fiance. I still got to look that up. I got to figure out what in the world she's talking about and if it's legal in her state. I don't think it is. Okay, anyways, I just want to mention that we are seeing someone who is supposed to be the B-roll of him. I think he only started the gym so that he could work out, have somewhere to work out. I don't think so. I think he did it to make money. I think that he, at this point, he's looking at Bill as like, not just daddy, but mentor. And I think he's like, I want to carry around big wads of cash like that guy and wear fancy shoes. That's why he needs the big muscles to carry around the heavy wads of cash. Probably. Just gold bullion. So more on that bodybuilding lifting guy later. So there's one thing in Tim's life that also seems to interest him that's not working out or trying to make money. And basically what he's trying to do is exercise a different muscle, (laughs) a special muscle. And he wants to show off his special muscle to one very special lady who has caught his eye, a young woman named Stephanie Pagano. Interesting. She's being described to us as bouncy as an adjective. I haven't heard that before. She's an aerobics instructor. I guarantee you Joni has been described as bouncy. I didn't like it. I found it a little offensive. Is that wrong? Because I think I thought of chesticles. (laughs) And I felt like a defensive immediately. I was like, hey, now she has to bounce. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. So Tim did fine with the ladies all the time, obviously, because he's 6'7 and uh, runs a business and is doing well in his company. And he's also, he's getting more attractive as these pictures are going on. There's some unfortunate pictures early, but I'm getting it more in the later shots that we're seeing of him. Yeah. But this Stephanie Pagano was quickly becoming his main girl. Quick thing about their relationship. They started getting together when she was 17 and he was 31. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Apparently that's not illegal in the state of Missouri. 
That's fine. Because does it help that Tim was very romantic mm-hmm. and wrote her love letters? Does that help? No. Does it help that Bill Pagano is her father? <clears throat> so this does seem like a little strange because, I mean, it's an interesting threesome. You've got best friend, father, son, and daughter that are all in love with each other. Yes. Right? It is a thruple. Yeah. It is. But the problem is that this isn't the triangle that you need to be worried about. Here comes the bombus. <laughs> Tim Todd is married with two kids. What? This is how you tell a story, ID Network. I did not see this coming. You know what? Did, they had never mentioned it up until that point. You didn't. You're being honest, right? You didn't see it coming? I didn't see it coming. Do you know how I saw it coming? Because we are being interviewed up until this point by a gentleman who's very muscly and a young lady. And when I went back, because I watched this like eight times because it took me that long to like, I kept getting interrupted to do the recap. I noticed when it flashed across the stream that it says Tim Todd's daughter and Tim Todd's son at the beginning of the episode. So if you were paying attention, you would know that he has two children. But we don't know that this young woman doesn't become their mother. Oh, I thought I solved the puzzle. Until they say they start talking about the actual mom and how they met in high school and such. But ID Network has kept her a secret this whole time. They even show pictures of him in high school. And then it's a sliding doors situation. And they show us the same thing again. But there's a lady next to it who was his high school sweetheart who became his wife. You'll get into it. But I thought it was very well done. Really well done. I was very, very surprised. But then I thought I had caught something, but I hadn't. They're saying, why would What's-His-Face let his daughter, 17-year-old daughter, date this 32-year-old man? But they never say, also, he's married. And then you have to do that little tick where you do the insert, the little tick, tick, and then it says married, and you write it in. Yeah. 32-year-old married. Married man. But the person who's doing the interview says it was shocking that he would let his daughter date this man because he's 32. They never mention the married part until later. And I thought, good job, ID. Way to tell a story. Did you also realize, as I did at this point, that the person, the muscly person that we've been seeing the whole time is his son? Yes, because he starts to say my dad. Well, I missed that. So I thought I had solved two puzzles that were not really solvable. So Tim Todd and Patty Winfrey started dating in the 70s. Patty and Tim were high school sweethearts. And actually, they got most handsome and most beautiful in the high school yearbook. And they show us the yearbook picture. And it is very clear to anyone with eyeballs that she is preggers in that picture. So I got one thing early. That's great. Good job. I don't know who I'm, com- I'm just competing with myself to be like, I got it. I got it. I'm getting all the things. You're competing against ID Network's brain trust. So anyways, they got married really, really young, obviously, because she's pregnant in their high school yearbook photo. And that's when they moved to Festus and he got the cop job. A Festus for the rest of us. Good job. Now we're in 1988. Everything has changed. The family appears to be living a picture-perfect life, which is explained that, of course, they're living a picture-perfect life because they show us a picture of my favorite thing, which is what? If we were going to take a picture next year for Hanukkah cards, what would the picture that I would want more than anything, what would I want it to be? An Old West photo? That is correct. They are in Old Westy time. Is it really? Yes, in sepia-toned. 
I didn't even catch it. I just know that you like that. But it's also, I feel like now we've seen it in Dateline and in ID that whenever they're talking about they were a great couple, they show that photo. That's the barometer for having fun, being a fun family. I don't think it is. I think it's that's a barometer for how much they loved each other because those pictures are not cheap. Maybe. They're kind of pricey. It's like $35. I think it's a barometer for our family fights a lot and we're going to damn well have a good family vacation. Kids, stop fighting. We're taking this picture. I think no one is actually happy during those photos. Have you taken one with your family? Probably. And I probably wasn't happy. My brother was probably driving me insane. I would really like to take one as a family with you and me, but I really need it to happen at Dollywood or not at all. Okay, fine. Okay. You've laid down your rules. I've laid it down. I really, I want an excuse to go to Dollywood. And I think next year's Hanukkah card is a great excuse to go to Dollywood. Well worth the money. It's worth the ticket. Anyways, if you would like to sponsor my GoFundMe or Dollywood, (laughs) let me know. So his businesses were doing very well, obviously, at the time. But the, I'm kind of surprised because the affair is not really a secret. And In a small town like this, you would think that small town rumor mill, people would kind of not want to patronize his businesses because he's a flim flammer, but nobody seemed to care. I think they just like to gossip about it. Everyone in town knows. And so Patty finally confronts Tim and she does a very strange thing. Yeah. When she confronts Tim, she feels like it's appropriate in their household to involve the children. So she brings the children in brings Tim in and says, Tim, tell the children about your transgression. (laughs) I feel like this is a very strange conversation to have as a family dinner conversation. On the one hand, I really respect that. I think that's a baller move. If you're going to destroy this family, you're going to look your children face to face and tell them into their eyes what you've done to our family. But on the other hand, It is not really respecting the children's feelings because they will scar them for life. I'm going to be honest with you. If the children had been older in that old Westie photo, I would say sure. But those children look nary more than eight and six. (laughs) It's kind of cruel, actually. Which means they might be a little, I don't know if they were that young. That picture could have been off. Maybe it's super petty and that's why I'm here for it. No, hold on. At the eldest, the eldest one is 10. Because that 77 was when they got pregnant. And so he's not more than 10. Yeah, that's pretty young. And then we're in 88. It's really young. It's young. It's on the young side. And the little girl's, again, maybe seven. Yeah. It's not nice. I'm not saying my instincts are correct here on thinking that this is a good move. They're definitely wrong. It's why I'm not a parent. It's a bad move for children that young. You haven't had the birds and bees talks with kids really at those ages yet. So these kids aren't even really going to understand. It's like, oh, straight up daddy doesn't love mommy or us is how they're going to read that. So it's kind of not great. It's going to become about something else because they're not going to understand. I'm going to tell you, there's something called carnal lust, son. Like that's not going to fly, you know? I'm telling you, if I get married and my husband cheats, I will set him down, make him look our dog face to face. You tell this good boy what you've done to our family. I think that's really good because it's a great distraction while I'm setting fire to his car. It's really good. (laughs) It's a really smart move. So anyways, this does not sound to me like the best conversation to have during family dinner. 
And the dinner itself was probably subpar because I don't think HelloFresh had been invented yet. No. Let's talk HelloFresh. Love it. If you don't know by now, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip the trips to the grocery store or the deliveries from the grocery store and makes home cooking easy. And I don't know about you, but when I get groceries delivered from the grocery store, it looks nothing like what I get when I get HelloFresh, which is so clear and so lovely and so easy to just know I'm going to use this, 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 and then I'm going to end up with something that tastes like I went to a restaurant. It's the best feeling in the world. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store shopping so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh offers over 23 recipes each week featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never, ever get bored. And that is the truth. In my latest meal kit, my favorite of the three meals I received was the Parmesan-crusted chicken, which I was the most nervous about because... In my family, it's either fried chicken or roasted chicken, but there's no crusted chicken. Does that make sense? Yes, it's fancy. Yeah, it's like what you would order at an Italian restaurant. And it was absolutely amazing. You make it with Philadelphia cream cheese. Castle Priest. My mom made it again because my mom steals HelloFresh every time it comes in the door. I see her. (laughs) She like puts up the little cards and then lines it up and is like, and goes over dates with me. My mom is also the kind of mom that asks me at 7.30 in the morning, did you think about dinner? (laughs) And I have to tell her, I did, mom, and I'm good with Pop-Tarts. And then she makes HelloFresh and I'm like, I really need to pick it up because this is amazing. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences. You can skip a week whenever you need. And HelloFresh's Easy Eats has tons of quick and easy meal solutions like oven-ready and 10 to 20-minute meals, perfect for your busy schedule. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So right now, you can get 10 free meals, including free shipping by going to hellofresh.com forward slash Dateline 10 and use code Dateline 10 at checkout for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's amazing. It's almost too good to believe. I don't, I do not believe it. You do not? Okay. They, they don't have donuts in their recipes. They might though. It's 20, it's 2021. Anything can happen. Anything's possible. Go to hellofresh.com forward slash Dateline 10 and use code Dateline 10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's a really good deal. Because you know what? What? Ring, ring. Hello. Is it fresh you're looking for? <laughs> I can see it in your fridge. I can see it in your belly. You're all I ever wanted. We're trying new things this year, guys. Give us a break. Thank you, (laughs) HelloFresh. Check them out, everybody. Thank you, HelloFresh. So the Tim Todds and co. are having this weird family conversation. And the son tells us that he tells his dad. Now, remember, the son is only 10 at this time. Dad, I already knew because the son had seen Tim in his office with Stephanie and they're sure showing us a B-roll reenactment of a woman sitting like coyly on the corner of the desk with her legs crossed and like, you know, doing that flirty gesture, flirty lean forward or whatever. But, oh, wait, the camera pans out. <laughs> and is that smoke in the corner? It is smoke in the corner because Bill's there too. <laughs> He's in his office being a creeper 
with his big stogie. Gnawing on his girthy cigar while his daughter is playing naughty secretary. She's with- my girl. It's so gross. It's really what is weird. What's happening with it's this the relationship? Weirdest threesome. But regardless of all this grossness, Tim and Patty are going to try to make it work. And he says, I'm going to be breaking it off with Stephanie. We're done. And as these things go, they go back and forth with that for a while. I don't know how long. I lost track of the dates. I know we go in some point from 18, 19, not 18, 1988 <laughs> to 1990. Now we find out that Stephanie is a little bit, Stephanie, the daughter, is a little bit obsessy about Tim. She would call the office over and over and over again, and she was really trying to get him to divorce Patty. Tim was also getting pressure from Bill, who was going around telling people that Tim was about to become his son-in-law. He's so happy. That's a weird thing to be telling people about a married man. Yes. Just say that. No, it's really weird. It's kind of creepy. So now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Here's where the crime comes in. According to Bill, Tim decided that Patty just needed to die, pretty much. No divorce. Makes sense. She's just dead. And not only that, Tim had asked Bill, his soon-to-be father-in-law, with his help, hiring the county's best hitman. Because he was the former police chief. They must have been really tight to ask this favor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You know all the best criminals because you used to be in charge of policing in this city. Who's the best hitman? Yeah, I need a good rate. So little does Tim know that Bill is no dummy and Bill is recording every single conversation they have about the hit. The first time we hear the recordings and we get to hear the actual recordings, which I love, is that it's a lot about Tim talking about how hard this is going to be on the kids, which is going to make it extra hard on him because then he has to watch his kids be in pain, be upset. And I wanted... I was upset. That made me very angry. It's the most selfish thing I've ever heard. Your upsetting just makes me upset. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be so hard for me because I love those kids so much. Wow. But I have to kill their mother because my side piece wants to get married. So. But I'll be honest with you. I didn't think this was as straightforward as they're making it seem. So I immediately am listening to the tapes and thinking, okay, does Tim think they're talking about something else? That was my first thought when we first hear the tapes. Is Tim going to be talking about divorce this whole time and Bill's going to be talking about murder and somehow it's going to get mixed up? That was totally wrong because literally the next sentence is, can't undo Patty being put to sleep. Yeah. What if your kids find out that you're responsible for her being put to sleep? Like an animal. Is that the 80s? Did the 80s talk like that? It's a weird turn of phrase. It's very strange. No, I think he said go to sleep. He said that makes their mother go to sleep forever. Did he say go to sleep? And are either one, it's weird. It's sleep is the word we're struggling yeah, with. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, that's the word. This whole conversation is weird. No, and because then Bill immediately follows that with, but I love you like a son. So I will do this. I will do this favor for you. It yeah. sounds, a li- he's a lot. Yes. This is Godfather vibes, very heavy. He wants to be a Godfather so badly. To Stephanie and Tim's baby. But he's actually going to be the grandfather. <laughs> the grandfather. So that's, this is great. AKA kind of PIMP because it sort of seems like that. So. He's pimping out his daughter? It feels like that. A little bit. Good point. So we find out that there is actually a life insurance policy involved. He's going to get, Tim is going to get $100,000 in life insurance for her death and 20000 if it's shown to be an accident. 
What are these life insurance policies? I hope those don't exist anymore. Those seem very shady. No, it is usually more, I think, if it's an accident. And if it's a suicide, then you don't get any. Oh, that's that's harsh. That's really rough. So meanwhile, Tim keeps promising Patty is that he is ending the affair. But behind the scenes, he is very much planning this murder for hire with Bill. He writes a check for $5,000 for like the upfront payment, like the first installment of the murder for the hitman. And there is the actual check. They show us the check that's made out to Bill. And then they, Bill and Tim move on to the logistics of how exactly this is going to go down. So they decide that Tim needs to be out of town. We hear these, we hear these. Oh yeah, we're hearing this. Yeah. We're hearing, and it's good quality recording. I have to say, it's not like the Dateline recordings where someone's in an olive garden with the recorder in their pocket. Mm-mm. He does a good job taping his, but we should say he tapes all of his phone calls and conversations because he works in private security. They told us that? Yes. I thought they did. And I went back to try to see that. So we don't know if he's taping him as an insurance policy, sort of, in case he gets wrapped up in the issue somehow or for, I don't know. You're sure they tell us that? I'm positive. Yeah. So then why are they showing us B-roll of him with a hidden mini tape recorder? Because I guarantee you, if he tapes everything, then he presses a button in his office and it's recording. It records everything that happens in his office. Yeah, but it's probably a hidden button. And maybe he has, maybe they met in other places too. I don't know. I'm sorry, but they're showing him in the office with a newspaper and one of those little mini recorders from the 90s like this, and the newspaper goes over the top. They show it multiple times. So why is he recording it like that? that that's just B-roll. That's just the show's way of dramatization. We need to come back to this because then I have another question because I, I went back to look for that information for a reason that's coming because it doesn't bode right. Okay, we'll go, come back to it. Anyways. I see what you're saying. But they did tell us that. So somebody's wrong or, okay, anyways, we'll come back to it. So Tim is going to be out of town with his kids at a bodybuilding competition. That's the best time for them to do it because the hitman will come to the house, first of all, and the kids aren't there, which is smart. And second of all, it's a good alibi for him to be with his children. Also, we should say that Bill is very much leading these conversations with suggestion and information I would say of the two, he's the main talker and Tim is not talking as much. He's participating. It doesn't sound like he doesn't understand what they're talking about. Oh, no, not at all. He just sounds like he's not the brains of the operation. He's very much the follower and Bill is the team leader on this project. I would say that that Tim is the Katie. Yeah. If if we're (laughs) keeping score. So... (laughs) And Bill is the Kimberly. I'm getting you a box of cigars for your birthday. Didn't we say that one of us is going to be team leader and whoever was doing the recap was going to be team leader? And you were, you're the team leader of this episode. Just today though, just today. Okay, next time you're the Bill. Okay, anyways, so that's such like a kid game thing. No, you be this. I'll be (laughs) it next time. Now the phone conversations turn to how they are going to do this. How are they actually going to kill her? Highlights from that conversation include pretending she committed suicide because she had mentioned it several times to Tim, which I found incredibly sad. Very sad, but also... You said it doesn't get the insurance. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, you don't get the insurance, but that, that might not be true with all policies. And that might not have been true in the 80s. So I don't know. Okay. 
also they mentioned that she had at one point taken tranquilizers and could that maybe happen again? And then there was also some sort of, she had a history of blacking out, which I'm sorry, but that sounds extremely serious if she's just blacking out. And he's like, yeah, she used to. Do you have a tumor? And then Bill goes, well, history can repeat itself. Shouldn't we look into this? They're not concerned. She needs to go to the doctor. So another option is pushing her down the steep flight of basement stairs. But they're really worried that, like, physically, would the fall be steep enough to break her neck? That's part of the conversation. And then and then Tim says, it's possible. And then Bill says, about how many steps would you say they have? And Tim uh, says- 22. 22, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Wait, have you counted? How do you know how many steps? Is that something a homeowner knows? How many steps? I know there's 45 doors. <laughs> That open and close at will, whether I want them to or not. That's all I know. I want to know from homeowners, do you know off the top of your head how many steps your basement has? Also, wait, 22 steps going down to your basement? Is your basement two stories high? Is it like a big lofted Target store? 22 steps. That's, it seems impossible. That seems weird for anywhere in the house. That's like two flights of stairs. What's a flight of stairs? I think around 10. Is that a firm number? Do you know? No, but I th- okay. just I it's feel like- It's not like 12 eggs in a dozen? No, I don't think This it- many steps in a flight? No, because it depends on the height of the steps. So it varies. But I don't, and I don't know what the standard is, but 22 just seems- Excessive. Yeah. Yes, she'd break her neck. And yes, she'd break her neck on 22 stairs. You would never go down in that basement. That is too much stepping. Although he loves aerobics. Okay, so stairs are maybe, we haven't decided. Another option that comes up is a tanning bed. This Because, you know, they can burn her alive. This happened in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes, it does. And I've been terrified ever since. It's, it's, like, it's like being buried alive, but the coffin is on fire. It worries me. You wouldn't actively be worried that somehow you're going to wind up in a tanning bed at some point in your life, which I don't see happening, number one. No, I have a history of skin cancer. So why would you ever be anywhere near a tanning bed? Forced at gunpoint? I don't know. Who? Who is spending their time? The killer for Kevin Spacey from Seven. Not real life Kevin Spacey. He might also, though. John Doe. Yeah. Okay. No, I have no plans to willingly go into a tanning bed. Then it's not going to happen. Or any thing that a lid can close on. Yes. So Understood. So that's a scary, scary thought for a murder. And the worst part is, is that we don't know what they landed on. Because before commercial break, all we hear is the 911 call that happens. And it says, I need help. We just had shots fired. And you're like, oh, so just a gun. So just all of that sadistic planning that you were doing. Oh, you just you just went with gun. Okay. The accident stuff went out the window. And what scared me is that I was like, they almost could have gotten away with it with the basement thing. Because if you had someone at gunpoint and then you just push and it would look like an accident. Yeah. Put something slippy on the floor, like floor wax. Be like, mm-hmm. Anyways, that, that freaked me out a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when we come back. I need to call Oliver right now. But when we come back, we don't have 22 steps. So when we come back from commercial, there is a dead body in a garage, and it's the garage of Bill Pagano. And in the garage, the dead body has a shotgun blast to the face. 
Mm. which sounds horrific. And they show this drawing, this coroner's drawing, like 50 times of somebody with like pellet things in the, it was upsetting. Did you think that was upsetting? Also, the face looks like, like in pain. I was like, use a normal face. Don't draw the actual face. Use like a dummy face, you know, and then draw the little, and use very technical clinical X's to be like, there's a mark here, there's a mark here. Not, that was really too much for me, ID. It's not your fault. It was that, it was Missouri's fault. It's too much fetus or festus, whatever. (laughs) So shotgun blast to the face, but hold on to your cookies because it's not Patty. (gasps) Oh, Bombas. Who is it? It's Tim Todd. (gasps) What is happening here? It is K-Scandalique. Investigators are flummoxed. They don't know what's happening. And so they immediately- As was I. uh, Me too. So they immediately start looking at Patty, the angry wife, and Stephanie, the very angry girlfriend. And we find out that a few days before the murder, a witness had seen a screaming fight between Stephanie and Tim outside of his gym, and she was poking him in the chest. We'll come back to that later. (laughs) They think that maybe she was giving him an ultimatum. They don't know what was going on. Mm. I think it could be just because she was hangry. And if I get hangry, I have a new snack that I very much like. Yeah. And you're about to get poked right in the chest if you don't give me my monk pack. Yes. Now that the holidays are over, it's all too common to set health goals that are never actually going to happen. Hello, New Year's resolutions that have actually worked. I don't know her. When it comes to eating better and consuming less sugar, let's be honest, most healthy snacks don't taste very good. They don't fill you up and they don't satisfy your cravings, which equals a hangrier you in 2021. We are talking about Monk Pack and they make snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. Say goodbye to hangriness. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars contain just one gram of sugar, two grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle, but also a perfect snack for me because I don't do keto per se, but I am trying to count my carbs and go lower carb. So this is perfect. And they actually taste good. I really like them. They're delicious. They're really good. So when it comes to working on your health goals, Monk Pack is a great alternative to some of the things people do in this episode to work on their health goals. Things that rhyme with schmeroids. But I'm not saying that. Don't count me on that. <laughs> Monk Pack Edo granola bars have soft and chewy texture, come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Yes. Maple peak. Can slash pecan. Don't come at me, Twitter. That's my favorite one. That's so good. And peanut butter, my favorite. I love anything with peanut butter and chocolate. I ate the almond butter chocolate chip and I loved it. They're so good. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls or a late night treat. I'm also keeping a handful in my car because you don't want to be hangry when you're running errands. Then you want to go into places and buy more or go through the drive-thru. That's a really good idea, actually. I have them here by the editing dock, but that's where they're going. Yeah, put a couple in there. Pro tip. In addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar alcohols, or artificial colors. I wish I had had these when I was doing that elimination diet because I actually could have eaten those, I think, during that month 
I really think you could have. And by shopping online with Monkpack, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store. You get it delivered right to your door. So try it for yourself, and you'll see we have a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monkpack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DATEDATELINE at checkout. Monkpack is so confident in their products, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer but you're going to love it. You don't need it. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product. Then enter the code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monkpack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. Thank you so much for joining us, Monkpack. We are so excited to have you with us on this date dateline journey. Are you feeling lucky, Monkpack? Well, do you? Yes, because I have monk pack. Does it sound like Clint Eastwood at all? No, not really. But I knew what you were doing. I knew what you were going for. What's that from? Why do you set us up to be embarrassed? (laughs) Okay, here we go. This is the end. Let's do this. Investigators are going to look at Patty and Stephanie, the two women in Tim Todd's life. Tim Todd, who no longer has a life because he's lying on the garage floor, which is very sad. So neither one of the women are on the hook for long because later that day, the shooter comes forward and the shooter is none other than Bill Pagano. Don't, don't, don't. This episode went in such a different direction than I thought it was going. You knew that he was the shooter. I thought the wife was going to die this whole time. Oh boy. Okay. Really? That wouldn't be much of an episode. And then they just arrest him and then that's it. And they had him on tape the whole time. Well, we knew that. Like what was, what would be the twist in that? Not all these ID shows have a crazy twist. It's not Dateline. I think I'm so used to it that I'm conditioned to it. So I'm like, that's why I'm looking for the clues. Like, oh, it's the children are here and it's the muscle man. Right. There must be a twist. Someone was in a coma and has an evil twin that comes back from the dead. (laughs) Sorry. (gasps) Okay. So Bill Pagano comes forward and tells the police, I had to shoot his A. That's verbatim what he said. I thought he was your best friend and your son. He said... (laughs) He said that he shot him in self-defense. So here's where we're going. And this is when we're going to come back to our recording. Bill tells the police that Todd had not been in his right mind lately. He had come to Bill a few weeks before with a deadly proposition. He had been using a lot of steroids lately for his competitions, and he was losing it and thread. Hang on. I'm just Googling if deadly proposition is the name of a Dateline episode, because if it's not should be. It it should be. And threatening to hurt Patty. So Bill decided that he was going to play it out like, okay, sure, we're going to kill Patty. And sure, I'm helping you. But the whole time, really, what Bill was going to be doing was trying to get Tim admitted to a psychiatric facility. And if all else fails, and that didn't work, like Tim didn't go quietly, I guess, he was going to arrest him on the spot, do a citizen's arrest. This is the dumbest plan I've ever heard. It's really bad. It makes no sense. Well, and then he said he recorded everything for evidence and also just in case he himself was killed in the process of trying to help his friend. This is where we're running into problems with that he recorded everything. He told the police very specifically he recorded these conversations for this reason, 
not that he happens to record everything in his office. So was that just not common knowledge at the time? And he didn't want the police to know that he recorded everything in his office? Right. But I don't still don't get it because he doesn't sound good on those tapes either. He's making suggestions. He's almost encouraging. He does say things like, you know, I'm not totally on board with this plan, but if you want to do it, I'm behind you because you're like a son to me. So what, because you sound slightly unenthusiastic, they are not going to book you for attempted murder? I mean, you're implicating yourself with these tapes. He says like a son to me about 50 times. He does. It's weird. It's every conversation. That's how he ends it. I'll do it. You're like a son to me. I think because he was police chief, he thinks he can get away with explaining all of this away. And saying, no, I'm just such a good actor. I've been a police chief. You know, I knew how to play along. I was just playing along this whole time. And they'll just believe him because he's an upstanding member of the society. I guess. But why did he tell them about the recording? To show that Tim was planning to murder his wife. He's making it seem like he did this very special thing of recording him. But that's not special if he records everything anyways. It's not special at all. But it doesn't really matter because either way, if he turns it into the police, the point is to implicate Tim. It does matter a little. And we'll get to it. So he invites Tim over under the guise of you're going to meet the hitman, bring a picture of Patty so he knows who to put in the tanning bed or whatever the horrible plan that they came up with was. But in the process of Tim coming over, when he confronts him and says, you need to go into an institution, Tim loses control. And basically it results in Bill needing to shoot him point blank in the face with a rifle. Oh, you're telling me trying to do a citizen's arrest on a 6'7 bodybuilder didn't go according to plan? Shocker. Yeah. So in we get to hear his police interview and they said that he was weeping. He doesn't seem to be really crying in the interview, but reports say that he was weeping. Other cops there said that. Bill tells us that Tim started screaming like a demon when he said, you're not well. I think you should check yourself in and starts heading for the back of, because there's a car parked in the garage and he sort of moves and starts heading towards the back of the car where Bill couldn't see him. Bill is immediately worried that he's going for a weapon. I don't know where the weapon would be under the car. Right. And so Bill shoots him and then he falls to the ground, but he can't really see if he's dead. So Bill comes up right away and shoots him again in the face. Is exactly what an officer is trained to do. 100%. Shoot to kill. So Twice. And definitely shoot to kill your very, very good friend slash son. Who is going through emotional problems and may need psychiatric help, according to you. Yeah, definitely don't maim him. You want to kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's some problems. The forensics in this case aren't exactly adding up, of course. So the first shot to the back of the head looks much more like Tim was actually running away to get out of the garage. And there is this weird little revolver that had been placed next to Tim, but it was very clear that that revolver had not been fired and there's no evidence to say that he had even held it. It's not feasible. And then the recordings, again, this is what I'm talking about, become important because they say, if you were making all these recordings of you two, why isn't there one of this very important final meeting of all of the recordings you were going to make? You decided to not. Right. Record this one. Do this one. Although maybe because it's in his garage. 
That's what I'm thinking. See, so I'm thinking he doesn't want the police to know that he has everything in that office recording. And he made it seem like, oh, no, I was doing this to try to help my friend. But actually, everything is in there. But it's probably against the law for him to record everyone at all times, you know? That is a really good point. That's fascinating. So here's the big deal. Patty. Patty, who is supposed to be dead, comes forward and says, look. Wait, but did you say the gunshot wound? Yeah, to the back of the head. Okay, yeah. It looked like he was running away. The forensics indicated that the shot to the back of the head was a purposeful shot to the back of the head as he's turned his back. Yeah, it wasn't an exit. There, w- It was like an entry wound. What do you mean? They thought it was an ex- there would be an exit wound, but it was an entry wound going into the back of the head. Right. So Patty is the big surprise here. Patty comes forward and says that Tim actually told her on the day of his death, like his last day on earth, he said, Bill is going to kill me if I don't marry Stephanie. But he had been saying that for several weeks, that he was worried about the amount of pressure that Bill was putting on him to divorce Patty and marry Stephanie. It just doesn't compute with the audio tapes, though, where Bill is saying, this isn't, I don't really like this plan, but you seem to really want to do it. And Tim's saying, yeah, I do. We are having a moment. You sometimes like to believe people when they say things. Bill's a big fat liar. So he's doing that because he knows he's being recorded and he's phrasing it in this very special way. And I guarantee you the minute they step up. No, no, I totally believe that Bill is lying that when he's saying it like that, I totally agree with you. But I, but it sounds on the tapes like Tim is, seems like oh, totally okay with the plan. Well, what they tell us is that Patty said that Tim was playing along until he and Patty could get out of there. Yeah. So is he Tim that good of an actor? But Tim doesn't say much. He kind of like bumbles along. He's okay with discussing frying his wife in a tanning bed? Well, they didn't. Well, first of all, that's secondhand. We don't get to hear that from them, which stinks. And he did the check and he brought the photo. He's bringing these things. But when do you remember the conversation about how she should be killed? It's all Bill. Bill's bringing up every single thing. 100%. He is the team leader. Tim has no ideas to bring to the table. Yeah, it's true. Not one. But you're right. That is a good point. So apparently also this hangry fight that happened between Stephanie and Tim, there was another fight that day as well. Not just Stephanie and Tim. Tim also had a fight with Bill, a very loud, angry fight that was witnessed by a 12-year-old girl. I'd like to get her interview. I would bet you what I was like, Kimberly's not going to buy that. That's only five years away from Tim wanting to date her. So. God. Yeah. Oh, boy. So. I guess there was a lot of profanity used. And uh, again, with the poking of the finger. So the, f- the family, it's a family trait, the poking. I, unfortunately, I think we are looking at a tall person trait because that's where his chest is, right? So you can really easily go. Burp, burp, burp. <laughs> I think that that is his, is how's the air up there? It's constantly getting constantly poked. Constantly getting poked fights. in the chest. Mm. Yeah, that stinks. So Bill is screaming at Tim, and but Tim according to the 12-year-old, is pretty calm. And Tim just, there's a silence in the fight. And Tim says, well, she's a grown woman. And Bill says, it's got to stop. No, it's got to stop. So now we don't know what that means. So Bill could mean that either it's got to stop you toying with Stephanie's heart. Definitely could be him sticking up for his daughter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or 
this rigmarole with you and Patty has got to stop. You've got to end this and come over to my family. But who was he saying she's a grown woman? About Patty? It's always about Stephanie. Stephanie. She's a grown woman. It's always about Stephanie. Yeah. It's got to stop. Could that mean we have to get her killed? It's a weird sentence. I wish it was clearer. It's got to stop. But at any rate, it's clear that Bill was really mad at Tim. So now we're going to get a little bit of dirt about Dirty Bill. Bill was a consummate politician. He was loved by a lot of people, but also feared by a lot of people. He loved to have people under his thumb. He knew how to use pressure points. He's basically the godfather. Yeah. That's pretty much what we're looking at. A wannabe godfather. Let's not give him that yes. much credit. Sorry. That is exactly what he is. He's trying to rule by like that mafia kind of mentality. Of the town Flotus, Fletus, Festivus. Festus. Festus. Is it Festus? Okay, Festus, yes. So the investigators start digging into his background and they start finding some stuff in his business dealings. And apparently Patty's life insurance was not the only insurance policy that was rolling around. Mm. Tim had a few life insurance policies, totaling $1.5 million, that would have the beneficiary of those policies where he to die would be Bill. It was the company and Bill was the only stockholder. Do you think he knew about those? No, absolutely not. I'm sure he was given papers to sign and signed them. Right, yeah, yeah. So Bill Pagano is charged for first degree murder and something like discharging a firearm. I was like, what? I love when they tack on like another one. Yeah. We have you on murder and you got a parking ticket because you were murdering them. It was street cleaning day. (laughs) It was Tuesday, 10 a.m. So there's an extra $50 charge on according to your 50 years of prison. I don't understand why the discharging a fire. I think it was like discharging a firearm in an enclosed space. Oh, because it could ricochet and kill it, someone else maybe. Oh, my goodness. How do you, are you a police chief and you think that you are going to get away with shooting someone in the back of the head and saying that it's self-defense? You think that you are that smart. Yeah. Or that well-respected or well-feared in that town. All of those things. That's what he thought. And it's a smallish town. He could do it. So the trial takes four weeks and the jury comes with the verdict that is not what we all wanted. He is actually convicted of second degree murder, which I was just glad he didn't get off, to be honest, because I was like, this is somebody with pressure points. But he's sentenced to 23 years. And the real crime comes after that because he's released on bail while waiting his appeals, which you know takes years and years and years. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's really sad. But guess what? I was upset. He's rich and white. And pressure points and just trying to be the godfather. Yeah. It's a disaster. I'm rich and white. That was the war. That was like Dracula. That was the Count Chocula. I was trying to do a godfather. And it came out like Count Chocula. Do you want to take it back? No, I know. I don't know if I can do it better at that. I just can't believe it came out like that. Like I heard it as it was coming out. It was, I'm a witch and white man. <laughs> Rich white privilege. I got to put cotton in my mouth, maybe, and actually. <laughs> no, you got to whisper. Whisper it. I'm a rich white man. What? That's, does that sound like a whisper to you? I'm a rich white man. I'm a rich white man. Use the tiny part. I'm a rich white man. There you go. Your voice just isn't low enough. 
I get what I want. You did it. Moving on. We're almost done. So in 1994, the, the appeals have run out. It's time for Bill Jerkface to go to prison, finally. Law enforcement are immediately at his front door to whisk him away to prison. He can't face up to his crimes. And he asked the police if he could have a moment to change his clothes. And I said, no, you cannot, out loud. And of course, the police said, sure, go ahead. Because privilege. Yeah, but they're not supposed to do that. They're absolutely supposed to go with him back to the room. Or they're not supposed to let him change. He should just, it's time. Also, didn't he know they were coming? Wasn't this pre-arranged? Wouldn't he have been ready? Or was this not pre-arranged? It sounded like it wasn't. It said that when the appeals are over, they like immediately go to the house. So who knows how this works? They were probably mad that he didn't go to prison in the first place. But he goes into his bedroom to quote unquote change his clothes and he shoots himself. So he never serves a day. I think he probably served a little bit of time, but he did get out on bail. So I don't know how long he actually served in the prison, but it's incredibly unfair. And the children are rightfully upset, especially Todd's son. And it said, it does, it's not fair that my dad's life is gone and this guy doesn't get the punishment that he deserves. I agree. It's really, really sad. Yeah. And in this part of the story, Tim is not placed in the best light, I would say, through this episode. No. But in this part, the children are actually very, very sweet about their dad and actually talk about their mom a little bit and that she did love him, even though they had a tumultuous relationship and he was unfaithful, like... I felt really bad for them. I said, it's very sad. I do too. I just am not 100% sold that he had no interest in the hit plot against his wife. I could be totally wrong. I think if Patty knew about it and is telling this to the police, I don't think if he had any involvement in the hit plot, would he have told his wife? She wouldn't have known. She wouldn't have been able to go to the police with the information. But he didn't say they want me to kill you or he's going to kill me. It was they want me to divorce you or he's going to kill me. Yeah, I'm sure he did not. He did not want to scare her. I'm absolutely positive he was trying to be like, this is dangerous, but put the danger on him so that she wouldn't be freaked out. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario, he is someone who cheated on his wife with a 17-year-old. But that doesn't mean he deserves to be murdered. Worst case scenario, he wanted out of his marriage in some other way and was going to go along with some scheme. But I'm sure I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong. I'm changing my mind. I think I'm wrong. You think he really did have a part in it? I really don't see it. Part of me did. But the kids definitely don't believe it. And I understand why they don't. I don't think so. I, that, that's why I'm saying I'm probably wrong. I think I'm changing my own mind. I'm sure some people after watching it will think that that he did. But I don't think so. And I think that he was in an impossible situation because there's no one he could tell. I think that he wielded a lot of power in this tiny town. It's not like he could go to the police and be like, the chief of police is really pressuring me to kill my wife. That's not going to happen. The only thing that he could do is do what Patty said and move them. And I think that's what he was trying to do. So he wasn't going to do an assumed name or anything like that. He just was going to pick up and move cities and hope that Bill didn't find them or come after them. I think that he was in the process of telling Bill and Stephanie is why she's yelling at him that he's leaving. He was just entertaining all of these talks about murdering his wife just to bide time. I think he had no idea how to handle it. Okay, it seems like the wrong way to handle it, but... 
Right, but I think he, I think, yes, he, that's what Patty said. Patty said it was to bide time until they could get out. And he was scared of him. It just seems very risky what is to stop Bill from one day just killing Patty or hiring someone to kill her if he thought that this plan was actually maybe going to happen. I think it's way scarier to not be involved because then you don't know what's happening. But at least if you are pretending to be in on it, you can be like, okay, the hit's supposed to happen here. You can make this go away, right? You can fix it if you know what's happening. If you don't know what's happening, there's no place you can run. I guess Rhode Island? Maybe he wouldn't look for you in Rhode Island. I feel like he has tentacles everywhere, but this is before the internet. So it's probably harder to find someone. Right. So if he went to Rhode Island. Why do you keep saying Rhode Island? Is that where she goes and sleeping with the enemy? Maine? Does she go to Maine? It's not Rhode Island, I don't think, but I could be wrong. Does she go to New England? It is somewhere New Englandy. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Maryland? They have a lot of apple trees there because she picks the apples and then makes pies. I'll watch that movie again. I don't remember it. I feel like I've seen it like once. If it's on TV, I'm watching it. So that's it. This is a wild case. It's really bananas. They said it was the biggest case ever in Festivus. So yep. there we have. And I have a cat telling me it's time to go. Do you hear that? That is loud eating. Wrap it up. Meow, meow. Let's go. Talky talk. Enough with that. I got to eat. Everyone, please stay safe. Take care of each other. Happy New Year. Don't use steroids. Please don't use steroids. If this happens to you, you need to maybe contact the FBI. You need to go above the heads or something. But then you can't because you're on steroids. What do you do? If a police force is available, you don't have to opt for a citizen's arrest. Bill was lying. Oh, I know. But his story didn't make sense. Oh, okay. No one was ever going to buy it. Also, the best part of that was that he had no handcuffs at the scene. Did they tell us that? Yes. They were like, that's how we knew. Obviously, he wasn't planning a citizen's arrest. He didn't even have handcuffs in the garage. zip ties. Oh, my gosh. That's really bad. The best part was when they said, how is this little fat man going to subdue this six, seven Buff. <laughs> I left that out on purpose. We're getting a lot of that in 90 Day Fiance, so I just let it go. It's too much. Too much. Not having it. I got you. No, ma'am. So <laughs> if you're not, please check us out on Patreon. We are doing our recaps of 90 Day Fiance right now, the current season. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you later. Do you have anything else? Hooray. <laughs> Killer bot. Keep that bod average. Yeah. Keep that bod average. Avoid getting murdered. There we go. I watched it was Killer Dad Bots. Oh, that's a whole new show. Yeah. Remember when Dad Bod became a thing? Remember when? I, it's still a thing. It's still a thing. It didn't go away. No, I meant when it started. Yeah. I'm working on mine. It's going to be great. <laughs> Can't wait. 2021 goals. Woo! You feel lucky, monk. <laughs> I could have been a contender. I'm done. Good night. Good night. <laughs> So this has been the first time that Kimberly has ever cut off one of my transitions. And now I I know the feeling. I'm sorry. I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> I still thought it worked. It totally did. But I'm still sorry because I know that you're like getting ready to do it. And then here she comes. <laughs> With some jokes. I got I, jokes I, to I say. I got jokes for you. I got things to say. I got a whole tangent about something that happened to me in seventh grade. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I'm so sorry. It's not cool. Oh, it's dark How would you know? You're not one to know. Oh, boy. Okay.
No, I'm not. You didn't know this time. You don't look at my recap. I don't look at your no, recap. I don't, but it, it was funny. It was, It is funny for the tables turning tables. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, 